chapter seven part two of the village in the jungle by leonard wolf this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven part two babun and selinda very soon became aware of the web that was being spun around them they had already begun to cultivate a chenna together two days after baban's conversation with baba hami and fernando they found another man baba sino a near relation of baba hami in occupation of it baban went to the headman to inquire what this meant the headman was quite ready to explain it no permit could be given to babun and selindu this year it was a government rule that permits were to be given only to fit persons babun and selindu were not fit persons therefore no permits could be given to them that was all they returned to the compound amazed overwhelmed babun explained to selindu the real cause of the headman's act the proposal of fernando and its reception it was clear that the two men would stop at nothing that they had determined upon the complete ruin of selindu's family unless punchy manika were given up for if no chenna were given it meant starvation for they had at the utmost food only for a month and besides that nothing but their debts they saw that baba sino was but a foil they did not dare to turn him out by force because they had no permits which would give them the right to do so if they had felt that there was any one in the village who would openly take their part it would have been different but they knew that no one would dare to side with them against the headman and fernando who already held the whole village enmeshed in their debt the more they discussed it the more horrible became their fear in a month they would be starving or forced to leave the village there was only one thing for them to do to put the whole case before the assistant government agent Babun set off for kamburu pataya next morning with this object his trouble and his fear drove him and he did the three days journey in two on the morning of the third day hours before the office opened he was standing haggard and frightened on the kutch jerry veranda waiting to fall at the feet of the assistant agent at last a peon or two arrived and later some clerks at first no one took any notice of him then a peon came and asked him what he wanted he told him that he had come to make a complaint to the assistant agent the peon said the assistant agent is always on circuit you must send a petition when will he be back i don't know where is he now Aya? i don't know he had not the few cents necessary to buy him a fuller answer 
he went from one p m to another and from one clerk to another trying to learn more particulars they told him nothing they did not know they said when the assistant agent would return or where he was he had better have a petition written and come again a week later he became stupid with fear and misery he hung about the veranda hour after hour doing nothing and thinking of nothing at last late in the afternoon he wandered aimlessly into the bazaar he was passing the shop of the moorman who had previously made many loans in Betagama. Kasim, who was sitting within doing nothing knew baban and called out to him what are you doing in kamburu pataya baban like cotton down in a storm what is the matter with you i hear the dog fernando is in Betagama. may he die of the fever i've been to the kachchari to lay a complaint before the agent hama doru the agent hama doru is away on circuit i cannot learn where he is or when he returns oh hey a complaint those dogs of peons every one knows where the agent hama doru is except the peon and he only knows when there are phantoms in his hand the agent hama doru is in Galbadapatu on circuit he will not return for another ten days every one knows that ayo then we are ruined why what is it we are ruined only the agent hama doru could help us and now it will be too late our tenant is taken from us ayo ayo is this one of fernando's games they say that the chenas are his now and not the government's the low-caste fisher vesiga puda he is a mudalali now i expect he hopes to be made the agent hamodoru one day it is he aya he and the headman they want me to give my wife to the mudalali i refused now they have taken my chenna from me they will ruin me the agent hamodoru if he knew would have interfered to stop this but now it will be too late by the time i can complain to him it will be too late aya the fat moorman rolled from side to side with laughter oh the dog oh the dog oh the dog there is no one like these fishers for finding money and women everywhere allah they call us moormen cunning and clever the only thing i ever found in Betagama was bad debts and here the swine of a fisher finds not only bags of grain and bags of rupees there but women too but i am sorry for you baban i remember you you were a good man in that accursed village come in here now and i'll see what i can do for you i should like to stop that swine's game but it is difficult one wants time we must send a petition the agent hamadoru would stop it if he knew but there are always peons and clerks and headmen in the way before you can get to him sense here and sense there and delays and inquiries you want time and we haven't got it but there is nothing for it but a petition here now i'll write it myself for you to spite that dog fernando the mother lolly made baban give him all the particulars and he wrote the petition and stamped and posted it he told baban to come in again 
to count buru pataya in ten days time to see him about it he also gave him food and made him sleep that night in his veranda the next day babun somewhat comforted set out for his village he was very weary by the time that he reached it he felt that he could show little gain from his journey to salindu and panchiminika ruin seemed very near to them they could do little but sit gloomily talking of their fears but baba hami and fernando were meanwhile not idle the cunning headman and the townman with his energetic fertile mind were a strong combination on the morning after babun's return to the village a rumour spread through the village that the headman's house had been broken into during the night and that baba hami had left at once to complain to the kerala late in the afternoon of the same day the kerala and baba hami arrived in the village they called to them three or four of the village men and went with them straight to salindu's compound the kerala a fat consequential bullying man went in first and summoned babun salindu and panchi manika they were handed over to baba hami's brother who was instructed to keep them in the compound and not to allow them out of his sight the news of the burglary had not reached babun and salindu they were bewildered by what was passing they saw the kerala go into the house with baba hami they were some time in the house while the men in the compound talked together in whispers a little group of men and women had gathered outside the fence and fernando stood in the door of his house watching what was happening at last the two headmen came out of the house the kerala was carrying a bundle he walked up to baban and showed him the bundle it consisted of two cloths a pair of gold earrings and some other pieces of gold jewellery where did you get these from yako he asked i know nothing about them they are not mine don't lie yako they were in your house where did you get them from hama doru i know nothing about them some one must have put them there lies they were stolen last night from the arach cheese house the madalali saw you leaving the house in the night curse you i shall have to take you into kamburu pataya now to the court and the magistrate hamadoru and what about this fellow pointing to slindu do you charge him as well yes mahatmaya said baba hami but there is the box too should not the jungle round the house be searched for it yes hi there you fellows go and search that piece of jungle there three or four men went off slowly and began a desultory search in the jungle which lay behind the compound suddenly there was a cry and one of them lifted up a large box he brought it to the kerala the lock had been forced open it was recognized as the headman's the case was complete and the onlookers recognized that the evidence against baban was damning baban and selindu were taken off to the headman's house they had to spend the night in the veranda with babahami's brother who was there to see that they did not run away the injustice of this new catastrophe seemed to have completely broken baban's spirit his misfortunes were too many and sudden for him to fight against he refused to talk and squatted with his back against the wall silent throughout the night the effect upon selindu was different he saw at last the malignity of the headman and how his life had been ruined by it 
this last stroke made him aware of the long series of misfortunes which he now felt were all due to the same cause this knowledge roused him at last from his resignation and from the torpor habitual to his mind he talked incessantly in a low voice sometimes to baban but more often apparently to himself they call me a hunter of veda a fine hunter to be hunted for years now and not to know it it is the headman who is the veda a very clever hunter i've been lying here like a fat old stag in a thicket while he was crawling crawling nearer and nearer round and round looking for the shot where was the watching doe to cry the alarm always he shot me down as i lay quiet but the old hunter should be very careful in the end misfortune comes perhaps this time i am a buffalo wounded the wise hunter does not follow up the wounded buffalo where the jungle is thick ha ha the wounded buffalo can be as clever as the clever hunter he hears the man crawling and crawling through the jungle he stands there out of the track in the shadows the great black head down the blood bubbling through the wound listening to the twigs snap and the dry leaves rustle and the man comes nearer and nearer fool you cannot see him there but he can see you now he will let you pass him and then out he will dash upon you and his great horns will crash into your side and he will fling you backwards through the air as if you were paddy straw the old buffalo knows the old buffalo knows the young men laugh at him buffalo's eyes they say blind eyes foolish eyes a foolish face like a buffalo but he is clever ama he is clever when wounded when he hears the hunter after him cleverer than the cleverest hunter and when it has gone on for years all his life what will he do then will he lie quiet then oh he will lie quiet yes and let them take all from him daughter and home and food he will shake his head and sigh the great sigh and lie quiet in the mud of the wallow very sad and then at last they come after his life shall they take that too then at last he knows and is angry very angry and he stands waiting for them the fools they come on crawling still they do not know that he is ready for them now the fools the fools the next morning the kerala took with him the complainant the accused and the witnesses of whom fernando turned out to be one and started for kamburu pataya panchi manika went with them they travelled slowly and reached kamburu pataya on the fourth morning Selindu had relapsed into his usual state of sullen silence baban's spirit appeared to be completely broken he scarcely understood what the charge against him was he knew nothing of why or on what evidence it had been made he waited bewildered to see what new misfortune fate and his enemies would bring upon him the parties and witnesses in the case were taken at once to the courthouse they waited about all the morning on the veranda the court was a very large oblong room with a roof of flat red tiles at one end was the bench a raised dais with a wooden balustrade around it there were a table and a chair upon the dais in the centre of the room was a large table with chairs round it for the bar and the more respectable witnesses at the further end of the room was the dock a sort of narrow oblong cage made of a wooden fence with a gate in it Selindu and Baban were locked up in this cage and a court peon stood by the gate in charge of them there was no other furniture in the room except the witness-box 
a small square wooden platform surrounded by a wooden balustrade on three of its sides nothing happened all the morning Paban and Selindu squatted down behind the bars of their cage they were silent they had never been in so vast or so high a room the red tiles of the roof seemed a very long way above their heads outside they could hear the murmur of the sea and the rush of the wind and the whispered conversation of the witnesses on the veranda but inside the empty room the silence awed them about one o'clock there was a stir through the court the headman hurried in a proctor or two came and sat down at the table the peon nudged baban and selindu and told them to stand up then they saw a white hamadoru an englishman appear on the dais and sit down the court interpreter a sinhalese mahatmaya in coat and trousers stood upon a small wooden step near the bench the judge spoke to him in an angry voice the interpreter replied in a soothing deferential tone the conversation being in english was unintelligible to baban and selindu then the door of their cage was unlocked and they were led out and made to stand up against the wall on the left of the bench the courthouse stood on a bare hill which rose above the town a small headland which ran out into the sea to form one side of the little bay the judge as he sat upon the bench looked out through the great open doors opposite to him down upon the blue waters of the bay the red roofs of the houses and then the interminable jungle the grey jungle stretching out to the horizon and the faint line of the hills and throughout the case this vast view framed like a picture in the heavy wooden doorway was continually before the eyes of the accused their eyes wandered from the bare room to the boats and the canoes bobbing up and down in the bay to the group of little figures on the shore hauling in the great nets under the blazing sun to the dust storm sweeping over the jungle miles away where they lived the air of the court was hot heavy oppressive the voices of those who spoke seemed both to themselves and to the others unreal in the stillness the murmur of the little waves in the bay the confused shouts of the fishermen on the shore the sound of the wind in the trees floated up to them as if from another world it was like a dream they did not understand what exactly was happening this was a case and they were the accused that was all they knew the judge looked at them and frowned this increased their fear and confusion the judge said something to the interpreter who asked them their names in an angry threatening voice selindu had forgotten what his his gay name was the interpreter became still more angry at this and selindu still more sullen and confused from time to time the judge said a few sharp words in english to the interpreter selindu and baban were never quite certain whether he was or was not speaking to them or whether when the interpreter spoke to them in sinhalese the words were really his own or whether he was interpreting what the judge had said at last the question of the names was settled baba hami was told to go into the witness-box as he did so a proctor stood up at the table and said i appear for the complainant your honour any one for the defence said the judge have you a proctor the interpreter asked selindu no 
said baban we are very poor no your worship said the interpreter babahami knew exactly what to do it was not the first time he had given evidence he was quite at his ease when he made the affirmation that he would tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth he gave his name and his occupation then his proctor stood up and said to him now Harachchi, tell us exactly what has happened abahami cleared his throat and then told the following story in a rather sing-song voice about four days ago when i woke up in the morning my wife had gone out into the compound i heard her cry out ayo someone has made a hole in the wall of the house i ran out and saw a hole on the western side of the house the hole was big enough for a man to crawl through there are two rooms in the house one on the eastern side and one on the western side we my wife and i were sleeping that night in the room on the east side in the other room was a wooden box in which were clothes and two new sarong cloths and jewellery belonging to my wife the box was locked when i saw the hole i ran back into the house to see if the box was safe i found it had disappeared at that i cried out ayo my box has been stolen then the mudalali who had been staying in the hut next to mine hearing the cries came up and asked what was the matter i told him he said last night about four payas before dawn i went out into the compound for a call of nature i heard a noise in your compound thinking it was a wild pig i stepped back into the doorway and looked then i saw your brother-in-law come running from your compound carrying something in his hands he ran into the jungle behind his own house i went straight off to the village of the kerala mahatmaya it lies many miles away to the north then when the sun was about there pointing about three-quarters way up the wall of the court i met the kerala mahatmaya on the road the kerala mahatmaya said what are you coming this way for to trouble me i am going to kamburupataya i told him what had happened and turned with him to go back we came to the village in the afternoon the kerala mahatmaya went to the accused house and searched in the roof between the thatch he found the two sarong cloths and my wife's jewelry and the box with the lock broken was found in the jungle behind the house when babahami began his story baban and selindu had not really listened to what he was saying they were still dazed and confused they did not quite understand what was going on but as he proceeded they gradually grasped what he was doing and when he told the story about the mudalali they saw the whole plot their brains worked slowly they felt they were trapped there was no way out of it babahami's proctor stood up to examine him but the judge interrupted him the first accused i understand is the brother-in-law of the complainant is that correct i propose to charge the accused now but is there any evidence against the second accused Selindo isn't his name mr Perara? the proctor called babahami to him and had a whispered conversation with him there is no evidence sir he said to the judge to connect him directly with the theft but he was in the house in which the first accused lived on the night in question he must have been an accessory he is the owner of the house i understand and might be charged with receiving no certainly not if that's your only evidence to connect him with the theft 
i should not be prepared to convict in any case mr pereira i shall discharge him at once especially as the man does not look as if he is quite right in the head very well sir charge the first accused only said the judge to the interpreter there is no evidence against the second accused he can go this conversation had been in english and therefore was again unintelligible to the two accused their bewilderment was increased therefore when the interpreter said to selindu you there go away selindu not knowing where he had to go remained where he was can't you hear yako shouted the interpreter clear out the peon came up and pushed selindu out on to the veranda a small group of idle spectators laughed at him as he came out they'll hang you in the evening father said a small boy i thought the judge hamadoru said ten years rigorous imprisonment said a young man selindu turned to an old man who looked like a villager and said what does it mean friend everyone laughed you are acquitted said the old man go back to your buffaloes baban also did not understand the acquittal of selindu things appeared to be happening around him as if he were in a dream the interpreter came and stood in front of him and said the following sentence very fast in sinhalese you are charged under section ten ten of the penal code with housebreaking and theft of a box clothing and jewellery in the house of the complainant on the ninth of the tenth instant and you are called on to show cause why you should not be convicted i don't understand hamadoru you heard what the complainant said yes hamadoru he charges you with the theft have you anything to say i know nothing about this he says he knows nothing about this said the interpreter to the judge any witnesses said the judge have you any witnesses said the interpreter to baban how can i have witnesses no one will give evidence against the headman any reason for a false charge asked the judge hamadoru the headman is on very bad terms with me he is angry with me because of my wife he is angry with my wife's father he wanted me to marry from another village then he wanted me to give my wife to the mudalali and because i refused he is angry anything else baban was silent there was nothing more to say he looked out through the great doors of the jungle he tried to think where better gama was but looking down upon it from that distance it was impossible to detect any landmark in the unbroken stretch of trees very well mr pereira said the judge mr pereira got up again and began to examine baba hami how long have you been a headman fifteen years have you ever had a private case before no are you on bad terms with your brother-in-law no but he is on bad terms with me how is that there is a government order that chenins are only to be given to fit persons the accused has not a fit person he could do work but he is lazy therefore chenis were refused to him he thought that i had done this it was a kachchari order from the agent hamodoru last week he was very angry and threatened me because of it the mudalali heard him is the mudalali a friend of yours how could he be ayah he is a mahatmaya of kamburu pataya i'm only a village man how could he be a friend of mine he comes to the village merely to collect debts due to him and when he comes you let him stay in the unoccupied house next to yours otherwise you do not know him yes that is true ayah is the kerala related to you no a friend of yours no 
he was on bad terms with me he said i troubled him and was a bad headman mr pereira sat down any questions said the judge any questions the interpreter asked baban i don't understand said baban yako said the interpreter angrily do you want to ask complainant any questions what questions are there to ask it is lies what he said there was a pause while the judge waited for baban to think of a question the silence confused him and all the eyes looking at him he fixed his own eyes on the jungle at last baban thought of a question did you not ask me to give the woman to the mudalali no said bamahami did not the mudalali call her to go to his house i know nothing of that weren't you angry when i married the woman no baban turned desperately to the judge hamadoru he said it is all lies he is saying the judge was looking straight at him but baban could read nothing in the impassive face the light eyes the cat's eyes of the white hamadoru frightened him is that all said the judge baban was silent who is this mudalali said the judge sharply to babahami fernando mudalali hamadoru he comes from kamburu pataya he is a trader he lends money in the village what's he doing in the village now he has come to collect debts when did he come about a week ago when is he going i don't know is he married i don't think so i don't know why do you give him a house to live in hamadoru the little hut was empty he came to me and said arachchi he said i must stay here a few days i want a house there is that hut of yours can i live in it so i said why not whose is the hut mine why did you build it it was built hamadoru for this brother-in-law of mine when i don't know what do you mean hamadoru last year i think but your brother-in-law lives with his father-in-law yes and why did you build him a house there was talk of his leaving the other people has the mudalali ever stayed in the village before no do you owe anything to him no next witness babahami stood down and the kerala entered the witness-box he was examined by mr pereira he told his story very simply and quietly he had met bamahami who had told him that his house had been broken into and that a box had been stolen he described the box and its contents he suspected his brother-in-law who had been seen going away from his house in the night by the mudalali the kerala then described how he went in and searched the house and how he found the cloths and jewellery which answered to babahami's previous description he then produced them the proctor examined him are you on good terms with the complainant i am not on good terms or bad terms with him i only know him as a headman do you complain of his troubling you i complained that he was a bad headman he has troubled me with silly questions he is an ignorant man mr pereira sat down any questions asked the judge any questions asked the interpreter of baban baban shook his head what questions are there he said do you know this mudalali said the judge to the kerala i have seen him before in kamburu pataya have you seen him before in Betagama? no did you know that he was there no do you know of any ill-feeling between complainant and accused no i did not know the accused at all i live many miles from Betagama. next witness 
fernando was the next witness he wore for the occasion a black european coat a pink starched shirt and a white cloth he was cool and unabashed he told how he had gone out in the night for a call of nature how he had heard a noise on the compound of the headman and had then seen baban come out carrying something and go with it into the jungle behind his own house could you see what it was asked the proctor not distinctly he walked as if it were heavy it was rather large how did you recognize him can you swear it was he i can swear that it was the accused i recognized him first by his walk but i also saw his face in the moonlight are you on bad terms with the accused does he owe you money i'm not on bad terms with him i scarcely know him he owes me for curacan lent to him i had arranged to make him my gambaraya all the villagers there owe me money how long have you been in the village about ten days i'm making arrangements for the recovery of my loans last crop failed and therefore much is owed to me the proctor sat down any questions said the judge any questions said the interpreter to baban baban shook his head it is lies they are telling he murmured are you married the judge asked fernando no you live with a woman in kamburapatai yes how did you come to settle in the hut in Batagama? i was getting into difficulties with my loans because the crop failed last year i thought i must go to the village during the chenna season and arrange for the repayment i saw the hut empty there and went to the headman and asked whether i might live there he said yes do you know the accused's wife i have seen her their compound adjoins that of the hut otherwise i do not know her next witness the man who had found the box gave evidence of how and where he had found it various villagers were then called who identified the things found in selindu's hut and the box as having belonged to babahami they all denied any knowledge of ill-feeling between baban and the headman or of any intimacy between the headman and fernando this closed the case for the prosecution the judge then addressed baban in a speech which was interpreted to him baban should now call any witnesses whom he might have it was for him to decide whether he would himself go into the witness-box and give evidence if he gave evidence he would be liable to cross-examination by baba hami's proctor if he did not he the judge might draw any conclusion from his refusal baban did not really understand what this meant he did not reply well said the interpreter i don't understand are you going to give evidence yourself as the judge hama doru lights explain it to him properly said the judge now look here there is the evidence of the kerala that he found the things in your house there is no evidence of his being a prejudiced witness there is the evidence of fernando that he saw you leaving the complainant's hut at night you say that fernando wants your wife and that the headman is in league with him against you at present there is no evidence of that at all according to your story the things must have been deliberately put into your house by a complainant or fernando or both listen to what i am saying have you any witnesses or evidence of all this hamadoru how could i get witnesses of this no one will give evidence against the headman i will adjourn the case if you want to call witnesses from the village what is the good no one will speak the truth well then you'd better in any case give evidence yourself get up here said the interpreter baban 
got into the witness-box he told his story the judge asked him many questions then the proctor began cross-examining are you on bad terms with the corolla do you know him well i'm not on bad terms i scarcely know him do you know that fernando came to the village to recover money that he has arranged to get the chanacrops from many of the villagers in repayment of his loans yes did he ask you to act as overseer of those chenas and promise you a share of the crop if you did yes because he thought you the best worker in the village yes i think so when did this happen about a week ago the proctor sat down the bun called no witnesses there was a curious look of pain and distress in his face the judge watched him in silence for some minutes then he told the interpreter to call selindu selindu was pushed into the box the interpreter recited the words of the affirmation to him he said i do not understand hamadoru it took some time to make him understand that he had only to repeat the words after the interpreter he sighed and looked quickly from side to side like a hunted animal the eyes of the judge frightened him he was uncertain whether he was being charged again with the theft he had not listened to what was going on after he had been sent out of the court it occurred vaguely to him that the best thing would be to pretend to be completely ignorant of everything he still thought of the wounded buffalo listening to the hunter crawling after him through the scrub he doesn't move he muttered to himself until he is sure he stands quite stupid and still listening always but when he sees clear then out he rushes charging stop that muttering said the judge and listen carefully to what i ask you you've got to speak the truth there's no charge against you you've got nothing to fear if you speak the truth do you understand i understand hamadoru said Selinder, but he thought they are cunning hunters they lie still in the undergrowth waiting for the old bull to move but he knows he stands quite still is there any reason why the headman should bring a false case against you and the accused i don't know hamadoru you are not on bad terms with him personally i've nothing against him he doesn't like me they say why doesn't he like you hamadoru how should i know that you have never had any quarrel with him no hamadoru are you related to him i married a cousin of his wife the accused lives in your house he is married to your daughter yes hamadoru do you know of any quarrel between him and the headman how should i know that there was no quarrel at the time of the marriage they say this and that but how should i know hamadoru you know nothing about it yourself then no hamadoru do you know the madalali fernando no hamadoru you don't know him doesn't he stay in the hut adjoining your compound i've seen him there i've never spoken with him did you hear of anything between him and your daughter they talk hamadoru what did they say they said he wanted my daughter who said when this man pointing to baban when three or four days ago you know nothing more yourself about this no hamadoru neither baban nor baba hami's proctor asked selindu any questions he was told to go away and was pushed out of court by the peon the case was over only the judgment had to be delivered now the judge leant back in his chair gazing over the jungle at the distant hills there was not a sound in the court outside down on the shore the net had been hauled in and the fish sold not a living being could be seen now except an old fisherman sitting by a broken canoe 
and looking out over the waters of the bay the wind had died away and sea and jungle lay still and silent under the afternoon sun the court seemed very small now suspended over this vast and soundless world of water and trees but bun became very afraid in the silence the judge began to write no one else moved and the only sound in the world seemed to be the scratching of the pen upon the paper at last the judge stopped writing he looked at baban and began to read out his judgment in a casual indifferent voice as if in some way it had nothing to do with him the interpreter translated it sentence by sentence to baban there is almost certainly something behind this case which has not come out there is i feel some ill-feeling between complainant and accused the complainant impressed me most unfavourably but the facts have to be considered there can be no doubt that complainant's things were found hidden in the house in which accused lives and that the box was found in the jungle behind the house the evidence of the kerala is obviously trustworthy on these points there is clear evidence too that a hole had been made in complainant's house wall then there is the evidence of the matalali as matters stand it was for the accused to show that that evidence was untrustworthy he has not really attempted to do this his father-in-law's evidence if anything goes to show that there is nothing in complainant's story that fernando wanted to get hold of his wife accused defence implies that there was a deliberate conspiracy against him i cannot accept his mere statement that such a conspiracy existed without any corroborating evidence or motive for it he has no such evidence even if there were ill feeling over the refusal of a chenna or something else it would cut both ways that is it might have been accused's motive for the theft i convict accused and sentence him to six months rigorous imprisonment Aban had not understood a word of the broken sentences of the judgment until the interpreter came to the last word six months rigorous imprisonment even then it was only when the peon took hold of him by the arm to put him back again into the cage that he realized what it meant that he was to be sent to prison Hamadoru, he burst out i have not done this i cannot go to prison Hamadoru, it is all lies it is lies that he has said he is angry with me i have not done this i swear on the barakama temple i have not done this i cannot go to prison there is the woman Hamadoru. what will become of her oh i have not done this i have not the proctors and idlers smiled the peon and the interpreter told baban to hold his tongue the judge got up and turned to leave the court i am sorry he said but the decision has been given i treated you very leniently as a first offender every one stood up in silence as the judge left the court as soon as he left everything became confusion proctors witnesses court officials and spectators all began talking at once baban crouched down moaning in the cage punchy manika began to shriek on the veranda until the peon came out and drove her away only Salindu maintained his sullenness and calmness he followed baban when he was taken away by the peon to the lock-up at one point when he saw that the peon was not looking he laid his hand on baban's arm and whispered it is all right son it is all right don't be afraid the old buffalo is cunning still very soon he will charge he smiled and nodded at baban and then left him to find punchy manika it took some time for Salindo to find punchy manika she had wandered aimlessly away from the court through the bazaar Salindo was now extraordinarily excited he seemed to be almost happy he ran up to her took her by the hand and began leading her quickly away out of the town we must go away at once he said there is much to think of and much to do 
it is late but we at least do not fear the jungle the jungle is better than the town we can sleep by the big trees at the second hill but approach gee my man what will become of him what will they do to him will they kill him the bun is all right i've told him the government do not kill there is no killing here but in the jungle always killing the leopard and jackal and the hunter yes and the hunter always killing the blood of deer and pig and buffalo and at last the hunting of the hunter very slow very quiet very cunning and at the end after a long time the blood of the hunter but approach g stop do what does it mean they are taking him to prison what will they do with him shall we never see him again the hunter yes yes we shall see him again very soon but he will not see us what is this about the hunter it is my man i am talking about oh baban he is all right the white hamadoru said six months rigorous imprisonment i heard that quite clear at the end six months rigorous imprisonment it was all that i heard clearly he is all right there is no need for you to cry they will take him away over there Slender pointed to the east there is a great house i remember i saw it a long time ago when i went on a pilgrimage with my mother they will put him in the great house and give him rice to eat so i hear then he will come back to the village but it will be after the hunting oh apochji are you sure yes child all will be well after the hunting but now i must think punchi manika saw that it would be impossible to get anything more out of slender in his present state they walked on in silence as they walked his excitement began to die down he seemed to be thinking deeply from time to time he muttered to himself late in the evening they came to the big trees slender collected some sticks and made a fire then he squatted down while panchi manika cooked some food which they had carried with them once or twice as they sat round the fire after having eaten the food panchi manika began to question slender about baban but he did not reply he did not seem to hear her her mind was numbed by the fear and uncertainty she lay down on the ground and an uneasy sleep came to her suddenly she was aroused by slender shaking her she saw in the light of the fire how his face was working with excitement child there are two of them two of them the whole time and i never saw it what do you mean where hunting me child hunting us all me you and baban and hinihami they killed hinihami your sister i found her lying there in the jungle dying they did that but they shall not get you there are two of them listen i hear them crawling round us in the jungle do you hear now there i thought there was only one fool that i was the little headman but now i hear them both the little headman first and then the other the man with the smooth black face and the smile it was he wasn't it didn't baban say so he came to you and called you to come to his house baban said so i heard him fernando the mudalali he wanted to take you away but he couldn't then he went to the headman and together they went to hunt us isn't that true isn't that true yes apochi yes it was because they wanted me for the mudalali then they took the chenna away and then they brought the case they have taken my man from me what shall i do hush i am here they shall do no more listen child it is true that they have taken baban from you for six months he will be over there very well they think they thought to send me there too but the judge hamadora was wise get out he said to me i did not understand then and they laughed at me but i understand now well those two will come back to the village the man they think is away over there for six months only the woman and the mad father are here what can they do the mudalali can now take the woman is this true 
apochji it is what i fear it is true it is true but do not be afraid the old father is there but he is not altogether mad the mudalali will come back to-morrow perhaps or the next day with the headman and they will begin again yes yes that is what i fear apochji what can we do we must go away hush child do not cry out there is no need to be afraid we cannot go away how can we live away from the village and the jungle which we know that is foolish talk there in the town i do not understand even what they say to me and the noise and the talking in the bazaar and people always laughing and the long hard roads and so many houses all together how could we live there but in the village i am not altogether mad it is folly to talk of leaving it and the jungle very soon i shall feel the gun in my hand again then i shall be a man again slipping between the trees very quietly ha ha we know the tracks little arachchi i remember child when i was but a boy i went out once with my father for skins and horns he was a good hunter and knew the jungle well we went on and on many days round and round too he leading and i following and at last we came to very thick jungle which not even he knew and a sort of madness came on us to go on and on always and we had forgotten the village and the wife and another the jungle was tall dense and dark and the sky was covered with cloud day after day so that one could not tell the west from the east and at last when we had many skins and horns my father stopped and stood still on the track and laughed child he said we are mad we have become like the bear and the elephant it is time to return to the village then he turned round and began to walk soon he stopped again frowning it was very dark he stood there for a little thinking and then climbed a very big tree and looked around for a long time then he came down and i saw from his face that he was very afraid we said nothing but started off again for many payas we walked and always through very thick jungle again he stopped and climbed a tree and again when he came down there was a great fear in his face ayo that was the first time that i saw the fear the real fear of the jungle but then i did not understand i poached he i said what is the matter boy he said and his voice trembled we are lost i do not know where we are nor where the village lies nor how we came nor which is east and which is west from the trees i can see nothing which i know not even the hill at baragama only the tops of the trees everywhere therefore we must be very far from the village i have heard of such things happening to very good hunters but always before i have known the way punchi apu must have died like that wandering on and on until no powder is left and no food ayo the jungle will take us as they say then i said apochji do not be afraid i do not know which way we came and i cannot tell just now which is west and which is east because of the clouds but i know where the village lies it is over there can you lead the way he asked and i said yes then he said perhaps you know perhaps you do not but now one way is as good as another for me you go first at that i was pleased and led on straight to where i knew the village must lie for two days i led the way and my father said nothing but i saw that he became more and more afraid and on the third day suddenly he cried out i know this this track leads to the village you are going right it was a track i had never been on but i still led the way and on the fourth day we entered the village well what was i saying yes i know the tracks even in those days when i was a boy i knew the jungle but this time it requires clever hunting yes approached he but what to do now when they come back to the village those two ah now you listen child 
i've thought over it all this time and there's only one way i shall kill them both kill them oh apochi no no you are mad am i mad and what if i am haven't they always called me mad the mad veta well now let them see if i am mad or not have they not hunted me for all these years and am i always to go running like a stupid deer through the jungle no no little arachchi no no this time it is the old wounded buffalo three times four times that night in the hut when i saw it first i got up to get my gun and ended and again after the cord i would have done it had i had a gun but i thought no not yet for once we must act cunningly not in anger only the buffalo's eye is red with anger but he stands quiet until the hunter has passed then he charges but approach dear you must not say that you cannot do it you must come away they will take you and hang you what can i do i cannot leave the village i will not i have told you that there is no other way but what are you going to do ah i must think it needs cunning and skill first i must think no no approach dear no no it would be better to give me to the mudalali i would rather kill you than that do you hear i shall kill you if you go to the mudalali oh oh isn't it enough that they should have taken my man from me and now more evil comes i tell you that i will end this now now i shall sleep and to-morrow think of the way selinda refused to listen any further to punchimanika's expostulations he lay down by the fire and soon slept next day and throughout their journey to the village he was very silent and refused to discuss the subject at all with her the lethargy habitual to him had left him completely he was in an extraordinary state of excitement goaded on perpetually by great gusts of anger against babahami and fernando when he got back to his house he sat down in the compound in a place from which he could see the headman's house and waited he watched the house all day and when in the evening he saw the headman return he smiled then he got up and went into the hut he took his gun which stood in the corner of the room unloaded it and reloaded it again with fresh powder and several big slugs he examined the caps carefully chose two and put them in the fold of his cloth then he lay down and slept next morning he was very quiet and thoughtful but if any one had watched him closely he would have seen that he was really in a state of intense excitement after eating the morning meal he took his gun and went over to the headman's house to the astonishment of baba hami and his wife he walked into the house put his gun in the corner of the room and squatted down baba hami watched him closely for a minute or two he felt uneasy he noted that the curious wild look in slender's eyes was greater than ever well slender what is it he said arachchi i've come to you about this chenna i cannot live without chenna you must give it back to me you heard in court that the chenna cannot be given to you it has been given to apu let us have an end of all this trouble yes arachchi that is why i have come to you i want an end of all this trouble do you hear that an end now to-day of trouble 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 for years we must end it to-day do you hear what do you mean yes what did i say this this now arachchi that was nothing do not mind what i said then i was thinking thinking you know they call me mad in the village well i was thinking you know now that babun is over there for six months i heard the judge hamadoro say that clearly but to me he said merely clear out i was never a friend of that babun all the trouble has come from him he took punchy manika from me and then hinihami i saw her lying in the jungle by the deer what did we call him kalu apu punchy apu yes yes punchy apu that was long ago they beat her they threw stones at her that was long ago in the jungle but now baban 
is away for six months when he comes back i shall say to him clear out as the judge hamadoru said they laughed at me then a foolish old man a mad old man eh ha ha little arachti little arachti you have laughed at me too for years haven't you haven't you what is all this linda what do you mean i don't understand ah rachti it is nothing do not mind what i say i do not know what i was saying i am a poor man a rachti very ignorant a little mad but i am a quiet man i have given no trouble in the village you know that well a rachti don't you i cannot speak well like you rachti in the court but this is what i want to say i do not like this baban all the trouble has come from him i am a quiet man in the village you know that i said to my daughter on the way here by the big palu trees at the second hill i said to her the man is now sent away he will be over there for six months he is a foolish man it is he who has brought the trouble the mudalali is a good man Yurachti too is a good man why should we quarrel with those two there is no shame in your going to the mudalali then my daughter said i will do as you think best apochti do you understand now Arachti? selindu stopped the arachti had been watching him narrowly he began to understand the drift of selindu's incoherent words but he still felt uneasy as selindu spoke his suppressed excitement became more and more apparent in his voice and words but baba hami knew well that he was mad and that he was also wonderfully stupid it was just like him to do things in this wild way the more baba hami thought of it the more he became convinced that the conviction of baban had done its work selindu and punchy manika had given in yes i think i understand he said it is true that the mudalali will take your daughter he is a good man and the trouble came from baban as you say that is it Arachti, that is it let the mudalali take punchy manika my daughter cannot live with thieves now she will go to the mudalali do you understand yes selindu but it must be done quietly she cannot go openly to his house or there will be silly talk after what was said in the court no no it must be done quietly very quietly i will tell the mudalali and she can come at night to him afterwards perhaps she can live at the house but at first she must go secretly at night ah ha arachti you are clever how clever you are you think of all things yes it must be all done quietly quietly very well selinda i will tell the mudalali it is a good thing to end all this trouble like this yes it is a very good thing to end it like this yes like this like this but now the jenna arachti i cannot live without the jenna without a jenna i must starve you cannot see me starve even now there is no grain in my house you must give me the jenna baba hami thought for a while then he said well i will see what can be done perhaps i can arrange with apu about the jenna we will see yes arachti but let us have done with it once for all the thing is settled apu cannot be left there come why what do you want don't you trust me yes i trust you why not arachti but i am afraid of apu if he is left there to do work he will refuse to go he is in the chenna now it would be better to go and tell him at once i cannot go now to-morrow perhaps arachti it is but two miles you said it is a good thing to end the trouble let us settle it now to-day and the mudalali can have punchy manika to-night baba hami was silent he disliked being hurried on the other hand he would be very glad to see the whole matter settled his action with regard to the chenna troubled him because it was dangerous he knew that the petition had been presented and he was not at all sure that he would come off as well in an inquiry as he had in the court it would also be wise to bind selinda to him by giving him back the chenna and not 
to risk his changing his mind about Madalala and Punchiminika. He argued a little more and stood out half-heartedly against Salindu's urgings to start at once. At last he gave in, and they started for the Chenna. They followed a narrow jungle track which had been lately cleared. The tangle of shrubs and undergrowth and trees was like a wall on each side of the track. The headman walked first, and Salindu, carrying his gun, followed. For the first three-quarters of a mile, they walked in silence, except for a word or two which the headman shouted back to Salindu without turning his head. Salindu had fallen somewhat behind. He quickened his pace and came up close to the headman. He was muttering to himself. "'What do you say?' asked Baba Hami. "'What? Was I talking? I do not know, Arachti. They say the hunter talks to himself in the jungle. It is a custom. Have you ever been a hunter, Arachti? No, you know that well enough. Oh, yes, you are no hunter. Who should know that better than I? But do they call me a good hunter, Arachti? Skillful, cunning, do I know the tracks, Arachti? Of course, every one knows you to be the best hunter in the district. Ayo, the best hunter in the district. And do you know, Arachti, that I am afraid of the jungle? So they say what are you afraid of Salindo began to speak with great excitement as he went on his voice began to get shriller and shriller it trembled with anger and fear and passion i am afraid of everything Arachti, the jungle the devils the darkness but above all of being hunted have you ever been hunted Arachti? no of course you are not a hunter and therefore have never been hunted but i know it happens sometimes to the cleverest of us the elephant they say but that i have never seen but the buffalo i have seen that here on this very track before it was cleared many years ago the buffalo is stupid isn't he little rachti very stupid he does not see he does not hear he goes on wallowing in his mud and they hunt him year after year year after year he does not know he does not see them he does not hear them do you know that i know it i am a hunter then then having crept close they shoot him it was near here at first crash he tears away through the jungle the blood flowing down his side he is afraid very afraid and in pain but the pain brings anger and with anger anger Arachti comes cunning and now Arachti, now comes the game the dangerous game the young men laugh at it but the wise hunter would be afraid there he stood do you see there under that maya litten tree head down very still and the hunter fool fool crept after him through the undergrowth there was no track then ah it was thick then he could not see anything but the shrubs and thorns he did not see the red eyes behind him nor the great head down for the other was cunning now cunning and very angry and when the hunter had gone on a little just where you are now Arachti, then do you hear little Arachti? then out and crash he charged charged like this Babahami had at first hardly listened but the fury and excitement of Salindu had at last forced his attention as Salindu said the last words Babahami half stopped and turned his head he just saw Salindu's blazing eyes and foam on the corner of his lips at the same moment he felt the cold muzzle of the gun pressed against his back Salindu pulled the trigger and babahami fell forward on his face a great hole was blown in the back and the skin round it was blackened and burnt the chest was shattered by the slugs which tore their way through the body writhed and twisted on the ground for a minute and then was still Salindu kicked it with his foot to see whether it was dead there was no movement he reloaded his gun and turned his back towards the village his excitement had died down the old lethargy was coming upon him again he felt this himself and walked faster muttering even now it is not safe there were two of them there is still the other 
when Solinder got back to the village fernando was in the headman's compound when he saw Solinder, he came down towards the fence and called out to him where is the arachi they say he went out with you Solinder walked up towards the stile and stopping levelled his gun at the madalali fernando stepped back his mouth wide open his eyes staring his whole face contorted with fear he cowered down behind the stile stretching his hands vaguely out between the wooden bars and shouted don't shoot don't shoot the stile was little or no protection between the two bottom bars Solinder could see the madalali's fat stomach and legs he took careful aim between the bars and fired fernando fell backwards writhing and screaming with pain Solinder went and looked over the stile at the same moment baba hami's wife rushed out of the house but he saw that his work had been accomplished blood was pouring from the madalali's stomach his two legs and one of his hands were shattered the trouble is ended he muttered he walked very slowly to his house he put the gun in the corner of the room thought for a minute and then immediately left the hut he saw that already there was a crowd of people in the headman's compound the women were screaming Slindu turned into the jungle at the back of his house and walking quickly cut across to the track which led to come over pitaya chapter seven part two